0: do most of my old changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in Al Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in Al Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new, used um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever. I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out diffyford.net, and then on Instagram at Diffie This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit oklabeef.org, link below. And let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike Hun here, host, back with another episode. Uh, we're at my real estate office today, a little change of pace. Um, it's nice because nobody's here on the weekend other than us. So uh, today we have an Olympian on the podcast, which you are the third Olympian to be on the podcast. So cool. you're, in, uh, you're in a good group right there, and I'm mm-hmm. in the presence of greatness, obviously. Uh, but Mr. Ali Khalifa-, Khalifa is on the podcast um, I'm sure you get that. We I literally just asked you how to say your name properly and I messed it up. I apologize.
1: It happens But
0: um you swam at Rio and Tokyo, so mm-hmm. 16 and 20. I mean, we'll get into all of that because yeah. I cannot wait to like nerd out about what it's like to walk out, you know, and represent your country and all that stuff and I played golf in my country on a small scale, but it's nothing like going to the Olympics. So, and I know the feeling of just like the goosebumps you get from like just putting on that, you know, you're listening to your national anthem, putting on that, you know, that Mm. jersey or whatever it is, right? Right. But you're at the Olympics. So there's, you know, you're like 10Xing everything I've done. So I can't imagine what that was like, Mm. but we'll get into all that. So... You're from Egypt originally.
1: Yes, yeah. I grew up in Egypt, um, moved to the United States in 2011. Um, So I grew up uh, just kind of uh, everyone in Egypt has to do a sport and swimming happens to be one of the top three sports in Egypt. So my family, my parents, uh, they wanted me and my sister to, you know, start a sport. And around six years old, um, they threw us in the water and they're like, all right, figure it out. Um, And. Eventually, what ended up happening was my mom just wanted me to end up getting a medal somehow, somewhere, and it doesn't matter if it was nationals or Olympics or something. Um, But her her goal was to know um, for me to keep going and um, make the Olympic games and make world championships obviously as a six-year-old I'm not thinking about all that stuff (laughs) so (laughs) I was just uh, taking it step by step I didn't like it especially when I had to wake up at 5 a.m. and go to practice and yeah in the middle of the revolution that we we had to go through in 2011 Um, so growing up in Egypt was it was good Um, learned a lot especially in my younger days Um, and then the revolution was in two thousand and eleven, so that what ended up kind of changing the pace of everything, and um, looking at other options to come here in the United States. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, your sister older or younger?
1: She's a couple of years younger than me. Okay, mm-hmm. and she's
0: still at the same level as you, or did she like I'm not doing this, I'm gonna do
1: something else? <laughs> she, she went on to do other sports, so she did handball, squash, like just different yeah. sports in general. Um, she's currently a lawyer, so she got her hands full. She's definitely not gonna be able to balance yeah. a sport with being a lawyer, so um, she went on to do other stuff.
0: Okay, mm. I miss handball. We used to play handball in school back home. I miss that game so much. It was so yeah. much fun to just run around and play handball.
1: Yeah. It's right. very different because in America, it's not very popular. No. You can find it in California where there's a little more of melting pot, but not, you know, not in your typical Oklahoma or Midwest or any other yeah. state. And in the, in the squash, too. Yeah. Squash yeah. is not what, very what common. They, they
0: call it racquetball here, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever they call it, right? I'm yeah. not
1: really sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had mm-hmm. a friend
0: in my high school who, he he did come out here to to play squash in college, but it was at, like, I think it's only at, like, the really elite kind of schools. Or yeah. He went to Yale, yeah. so mm-hmm. it was like, whatever. Yeah. I'm never going to I, I don't have the brain to get into any of those elite, you know, Ivy league schools, but yeah. I'm not surprised that the Ivy mm-hmm. league schools had, you know, squash or racquetball. Right. It just seems like a very Ivy league thing to do. Yeah. Uh, Luxury sport. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So growing up in Egypt, then
1: mm-hmm.
0: tell me about Egypt growing up, right? Cause I think a lot of people just see the pyramids and mm-hmm. they see like, you know, Tutankhamun and all the gold stuff and they think that's cool. Maybe right. we'll go there one day. Yeah. Yeah. What's it like actually living there?
1: It's really nice. Um, it's, I'm very proud to have gone to have grown up there and um, to eventually transition to coming here to the states. Um, but if I would describe growing up in Egypt in one word, it would be chaotic. Okay. That would be chaotic in a good way, meaning that um, people are very type B not Taipei, things get done kind of, you know, at a slow pace, Um, they eventually get done. But to start with, you know, you kind of have to push each other a little bit. Um, People are very emotionally connected to each other. The sense of community is really important. Um, Balancing between work and family is extremely important. Um, So I I learned a lot of really good stuff just before coming here to the States. Uh, One of the most chaotic things is obviously driving. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been abroad to a Middle East country but no. it's one of the chaotic experiences driving wise you'll okay. ever um, encounter in your life um, but you you kind of have to figure it out because you know we have a, we have a saying that headlights and all that stuff that we have on the roads they're more for just decorations we, <laughs> we don't we don't we don't you know we don't see you can stop for it but it's kind of like a stop with a question mark if you want to stop sure okay. if you don't like keep, keep going but uh, you kind of have to maneuver your life so with that you know image of driving that's just kind of how um people are and but it's one of the um One of the greatest places to grow up in is considering the history and um, Islamic, Christian, ancient Egyptian history. There's just so much, you know, I'm growing up around. And only recently, actually, every time I go back, I've actually paid more attention to that because growing up, I've maybe gone to the pyramids once or Mm -hmm. maybe twice, but I didn't really understand how grand it is Mm -hmm. until I came here and everyone was asking me about it. (laughs) I can
0: relate to that because it's it's exactly the same for me in Wales, because Mm -hmm. every time I go back with my wife and like hey i want to go show you something Mm -hmm. that i never did when i was a kid but it's always been here right Mm -hmm. castles or whatever it is Mm -hmm. and the same for you right you just you take you take it for granted because you're like it's already there and and i assume the way like history was in the uk and wales it was like you know it was just a class that you had to take right right and if you're not passionate about it you don't really care Mm -hmm. whereas the same in egypt we have all this history that goes back you know it kind of makes me laugh about the (laughs) Americans and their history. And (laughs) like, I know there's some things that happen. That's fine. It's just not as long as our history, right? And obviously it goes back even further when you go to Egypt and, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I haven't been yet. I'd love to go. My parents, I think, have been um, and they loved it. And, you know, I think the older you get too, the more you just generally get into history as you age, I think. You just become more curious, right? Right. As, as a kid you're like ooh something shiny and I'm gonna play video games and play <laughs> soccer or jump in the you know jump yeah. in the water or whatever right
1: um, yeah it's interesting how the priorities yeah. change as you get older and yeah. that's I mean I I obviously like relate to that especially when we were growing up we were learning about the pharaohs and all the families the Muslim families Egyptian ancient stuff um but I really don't remember much of that because I wasn't really as curious as I am today, and how I feel like social media makes a you know plays a big role in that because you know when I was growing up I wasn't really having much access to all the different videos and the you know different places in Egypt that you can see online um, that you can see now right. online. So that's been um, I think one of the biggest motivators. Um, to uh, to go back and, and also we have a couple of seas the red sea and the Mediterranean sea mm-hmm. so there was a lot of opportunities for um just scuba diving and Egypt actually has top I think the top four places to scuba dive of the top 10 in the world wow so it is yeah and I got to do that a couple of years ago and it was one of the best experiences yeah it was it was really cool you mentioned swim being the top three what were the other two sports um, as far oh uh, as far as uh, sports in Egypt right there is uh, soccer football obviously that's number one and we have basketball at number two and there's a bunch of um, like taekwondo karate and different different sports like that that are in the top five but swimming is top three in terms of people wanting to learn how to swim okay so not necessarily competing Competing, there's a big discrepancy when mm -hmm. it comes to that but uh in in the amount of people getting into swimming it's it's one of the biggest sports in egypt and we have we have pools like If there was a mile, there was probably, like, five pools in that one mile. Really? Which you wouldn't think of it as just each of them. I mean, what people would tell me is, like, oh, it's all sand over there, and we we, uh, get to our work on camels and (laughs) different kind of stuff like that, which isn't really accurate, but... um, yeah it's crazy there's a whole lot of water especially um, in right. a desert kind of location so
0: do you have camel races like, <laughs> the, like the guys in dubai and all the mm-hmm. other i've never seen that. it no, no. Not in i'd Egypt. love to see it they're
1: so fast the right. camels are crazy fast because it looks faster I mean, than horses
0: it looks like a real event
1: mm-hmm. right it's like
0: a you know not just yeah. hey there's one race i mean yeah. just like the races here but mm-hmm. the other thing is like you know you you know being from egypt and and effectively now being uh the fastest swimmer in egypt mm-hmm. right that's your title right, right? Mm-hmm. which is incredible <laughs> um like amazing achievement i'm Thank sure you. like it's you know probably sometimes you just pinch yourself <laughs> really that's me right
1: that's you, could not yeah. see you growing
0: up. have you had the opportunity to kind of meet other sort of people not in the swimming world but you know not, and I don't want to use the word famous but that's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm trying to say right. have you had the opportunity back home to kind of go to events and like you know be around people like I mean mm-hmm. I just googled quickly the most famous people from Egypt and you know uh, Salah most probably the biggest yeah, one that the most biggest. people know yeah. right other than like yeah. obviously when you go back into history and like mm-hmm. you know yeah. but
1: yeah. What, Soccer what's, players. Yeah,
0: what's yeah. that been like how, how, how does the country receive you being the fastest swimmer uh, compared to any other country that might have, you know, like you say, or vault
1: right. or whatever. Right. It's pretty 50, 50. Uh, I left Egypt at a really early age. So okay. when I left, I was 15 years old okay. and I wasn't as fast then as I am when I got to 18 years old. So those three years of, um, going to high school here in the United States have kind of contributed to A lot in that way for me to kind of come off and um, I was able to qualify to the Youth Olympics in 2018 or 2015. Mm -hmm. And that was that was kind of like a wake up call of, you know, I couldn't make it, you know, kind of to the largest, uh, largest competitions. Um, Egypt didn't know about me until I made it to the U.S. Olympics sure. and um, those the, the youth, Olympi- youth Olympics was kind of the um, the first time for them to know that hey, there's a guy in the United States is kind of swimming there and yeah. under the radar in a way um, so I actually didn't compete at the Youth Olympics and that was kind of a I wasn't part of the national team then, so it was understandable. Yeah. Um, but I was ranked eleventh um, before I even got there. Because you're out of the country, exactly. Right? Yeah, that makes they, a lot of sense. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And I mean, there was also like Egypt sometimes gets fewer spots just sure. based on the financial situation and everything. So. After that, I was able to prove myself. So it kind of all just relied on me and my family Mm -hmm. to help me out um, growing up until I was able to make it kind of to world championships in 2015 and then the Olympics in 2016. And that's when things kind of started to change. I started to receive more attention from Egypt and the Federation. Um, And that's been, obviously it makes sense, um, but in Egypt, it's the The sports that get the most attention is obviously soccer. It, it pulls in the most money. Swimming doesn't really pull much unless you know you're signing up a lot of people for lessons. Right. Um, so, uh, for me, I've received a lot of attention when I became a faster swimmer got and um, went to Mediterranean Games and got third, which is kind of a big deal in the nation in the in that region. Um, And then making the Olympics and then breaking the Egyptian record that stood strong for about 23 years. Um, So those were all just a few things that helped shape or pave, you know, kind of the future that I had in swimming. Um, But also just seeing how swimming has changed, because most of the swimmers that make it are ones that came here to the United States. Right. Um, Same with golf.
0: Exactly the same with golf. yeah, Yeah.
1: It's so interesting how that works, because... We, I, I believe Egypt has a lot of resources that can really help other swimmers in Egypt excel and to get to the level that I've got into. But swimming aside, academics and school and the pressure from family and all of that has does play a big role in, yeah. in hindering that process for a lot of athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually... That was why that I, I came here in the United States, because I felt the high school that I went to um, in Virginia, it was a military academy, and I was able to um, balance between those two, balance between swimming and academics. Uh-huh. And I think that was if I hadn't done that I don't think I would have made it this far um, in my career right yeah
0: and competition too mm-hmm. right like you're competing against like you said people are like a, in your similar situation they're all coming to the states to go to college to get an education but you're also competing against mm-hmm. pretty much the best people in yeah. the nation right yeah. and yeah.
1: frequently too so yeah. that's another thing that kind of sets america and on a different pedestal compared to other nations is the frequency of competitions Uh, a lot of athletes and a lot of swimmers here in the united states they they race often and when you race often a lot of you know you fail a lot and then you get up you learn you know you 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 kind of um get better as you go but back home we would get maybe two or three a year competent two or three competitions Uh a year and that that would obviously you know I wish that would change now because I feel like that would help other swimmers kind of just learn. And, um, but there's just so many swimmers. Like when I'm back home, there was about maybe probably because of my race and the influence that I've had on it. There was around, um, a thousand swimmers in the race that I'm in. So there was about, you know, I don't know how many heats that would be. So it would take three hours to get to the final heat. Um, so it's just, it's, it's, it can be, it can be, A lot, you know, Um, and everyone wants to do that race, but it's the 50 free. That's that's the one I'm special in, Um, and a a lot of people just don't um, don't understand that it's it's one of the toughest races to actually go through because it, you know, it's it all goes down to seconds and hundreds of a second, Mm -hmm. and if you make a mistake or. you know, your hand split or yeah. you drag or you kind of like pull away a little bit, that's going to cost you um, right. a few hundred and um, that can be a difference that it can make. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so growing up then, obviously it sounds like, you know, you knew that going to the States was the plan.
1: Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and you mentioned coming here for high school.
1: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Because most people just come here for college, right? Right. What's the process like of coming here for high school? Do do you just jump on a plane, apply, and go to high school? Or is it, you know, the family moves out here and you legit move to the States?
1: Right. So I actually, I moved here all by myself and um, we researched a little bit because in Egypt, and I don't know if it's the same in Wales, we have the American system and the uh, British system and then the Egyptian system in schools. so the Egyptian system tends to be the toughest um, in terms of if you want to continue doing sports, that you're going to have to commit to academics. You're not going to be able to do sports. Um, the American system tends to be a little bit balanced. The British system is way, way out there. It's way too hard. So I was never really excelling in school. also why I came here. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I came. But I try to apply to a lot of Egyptian American schools, um, American system schools in Egypt, and I actually got denied by all of them. And... I reached out to a school here in the United States, and it was a military academy in Virginia. I had a couple of friends that went there before me, and I applied because um, we heard about it and all that. My, my parents did, and they told me, yeah, we'd love, to, love for you to come. So Thank it's you. kind of ironic that all the Amer- American system schools denied me, but the American school actually accepted me. Right. Um, so... I came here and kind of no idea what was going on. I, I did travel before, so I've been to Germany, I've been to a couple of places for swimming, but I've never left my country for nine months, just straight. So that was, um, that was a good, interesting experience um especially being at a military academy where a lot of the cadets and a lot of the boys over there are spoiled and their parents are sending them there because they want them to get more disciplined and all that and that wasn't really my case so (laughs) I ended up in in kind of a situation where I'm I'm pretty well disciplined my family my parents grew you know help um a lot in the way that we were developed um, but then having to navigate that and also English being my second language and learning and doing English's second language courses so I can hear and um, speak well and all that Um, so I spent nine months and within the first two weeks I actually reached out to my family and I said hey I don't want to I don't want to be here. I want to go I want to go back to Egypt. Yeah. And my mom, she was on the phone. We had like pay phones kind of things. Yeah, in um, yeah. 2011, we
0: didn't have, there's no FaceTime there. We used to mm-hmm. do the same thing. And then it was Skype
1: was yeah. big for us. So WhatsApp Skype, and Skype. Right, yeah. right. Skype actually arrived to the military academy a bit later. Yeah. Um, maybe my junior year, so the second year there. Um, but initially, they would take our phones. So we had no access except through um, email and pay phones. So I would have to go and call them at a specific time and I called them and I said, "Hey." And my mom picked up and she's. I uh, said, "Hey, I don't. I don't feel like I want to be here anymore." And obviously, I'm sobbing, but trying to hide away my tears from all the other guys because I feel like there was going to be a lot of judgment there. Um, and then she was like, "Okay, yeah, well, you can come back." And then as soon as she said that, my dad took her, took the phone from her. <laughs> he was like, "No, you're not coming back." And he was like, "Okay, so if you're gonna stay there, this is gonna shape your life, mm-hmm. and this is gonna make you a whole better person after you finish this." And I just took that and ran with it, honestly. I, I felt like, yeah, I don't I don't like it. I don't like being told what to do, especially in the military setting. But eventually I know this is gonna help a lot. And um, especially at a young age with responsibility and all that stuff, knowing not that many people, you know, travel across the globe to, uh, or even as parents to send your kid, travel across the globe, that's kind of yeah. a tough thing to do. Um, so that was all by myself and then, I took the responsibility to swim, I took the responsibility to stay in touch with family and to continue doing what they have, you know, what they're expecting me to do, um, and eventually uh, graduated, and that was one of the happiest days of my life, <laughs> getting out of the military academy, which which was good, obviously. but hard at right. the same time yeah
0: yeah especially when you were like what, 14 15 16 going to this academy mm-hmm. and like i said you're halfway around the world right you know you can't just have that face-to-face interaction with your family because there isn't any FaceTime. right uh, and also you're at a military academy so mm. it's not just like school is it right no. like yeah. had, had your family had any previous um kind of history in the military or was it just you were like hey this is a school they've accepted me even though it's a military academy, going.
1: Right. No, I mean, in Egypt, there is kind of like a mandatory aspect of being in the military, so my dad did do that. He had the disservice, but it's different, you know. In the United States, the military is such a different level um, than in Egypt. Um, and especially I didn't go to the Army or Navy or anything like that, so it didn't, it didn't feel like it was going to be that hard, um, but they didn't have any background in it, no. Yeah.
0: So from then, you graduate high school and then... Uh, is the military academy helping you apply for university and like is there a counselor there that's really saying hey if you want to stay here like let's start applying Mm -hmm. and and you know i want to swim like let's just start putting out you know, getting in touch with coaches and all that thing
1: right How's yeah there that process there is a um, there was a lot of help that okay. was offered there especially with the counselor and then also my coach the swim coach that was there he was also helping me a lot in um, just kind of reaching out to colleges and going on recruiting trips and that's how um, it happened actually one day I was just um, right before practice he came and he said hey Indiana is uh, interested in recruiting you I was like Indiana I've never heard of that state before <laughs> I've been here." in the United States for three years and Indiana hasn't been on my brain it's for one second. One, is it? No, one, No one's. Um, which, when I actually ended up going to the recruiting trip, I was asking the same question to a lot of the other recruits and they are like, yeah, we never heard of Indiana before. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was interesting that that was kind of, um, you know, it was just, I've, just coming from a different country and then, Hearing my coach saying that, hey, this college is interested in you, uh, that was a very stark kind of difference. I never expected that to happen. Um, so I went on a recruiting trip uh, to Indiana University, and they ended up um, having me on their team for for three years um, competing, and um, actually four years, obviously, competing. And um, we were 14th in the nation when I got there and third when I left so we came a long way um when I was there so um it was it was a good it was a really good experience especially being you know kind of setting up my life at a really extreme situation in the military academy and then kind of carrying that over to the college life which is a little more relaxed uh so there was a lot of like learning lessons that i had to uh you know go through especially in that first semester adjusting and and all that stuff so
0: but like but like you just said it was it wasn't as hard or harder it was a little step back but Mm -hmm. you've also the social stuff going on as well not just like school and swimming you know even, even though you're a College athlete, like you, still can go to a party yes, <laughs> now and yeah. then, right? Mm-hmm. And all that stuff to navigate mm-hmm. too. Yeah, because um, you have know, different and from out of state or what? You know, I know you spend here a little bit, but it's still, right. like you're still, you know, you're still. Uh, rooted you're still an Egyptian Mm -hmm. right you know
1: there's so many different facets to it you know I I grew up in Egypt and um, my family's not here and I've got to keep going regardless and swimming is also another aspect that I have to do well in so there were so many different things that I have to keep track of and i obviously not making up excuses but that was just how I had to approach things and just growing up in Egypt we didn't really have we didn't make excuses. You know, this is not something that my family taught me or my sister to uh, to make up excuses as we go because we're gonna have to do it nonetheless. It's gonna happen. So, um, coming from the military academy, going to Indiana, the military academy was more okay. This is when you're gonna study two hours at night, quiet hour for everyone. You can't speak. You have to do something. You're gonna have to sit at your desk in your room. Um, everyone's quiet. Everyone's studying. And I thought that was the same thing that I could apply at the university and then obviously not. <laughs> Two hours was definitely not gonna be enough and that was a good learning lesson. That was, um, cause a lot of the stuff that I was doing in the military academy was more type A and then at the university was type B. Yeah. Um, and I would re- describe myself more as a type B but I had to kind of follow orders, right? At the military academy, so. Um, Um, it was a good, it was a good wake up call within the first semester. (laughs) The good
0: thing is you were generally used to getting out of bed at early, early hours, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're not getting to the military academy and thinking, you know, that whatever time that alarm clock's going on, you're like I've been probably getting up at this time for my entire life to go swim. So Mm -hmm. this is, this is fine for me. I don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. So when you're in Indiana, then you're swimming, you know, you're, you're getting better, you're improving. what's that like what's what's it like as for you as a professional athlete at that time mm-hmm. mentally right because yeah. like you're probably thinking i'm going pro i'm a pro right mm-hmm. even though you're in college like you're training like a professional athlete and there is a legit chance that you know you could go to the games or go to all world championships or whatever it is right. so what is it like then being in indiana with that mindset it
1: was it was good i i mean As I started at Indiana, I was one of the top two faster, faster sprinters. So I knew that in order to be the best, I have to put in a lot of work. Um, so initially they had me lift four times a week and then swim every day, um, once a day. So, um, a lot of emphasis was on gaining a lot of muscle mass. So within the first, uh, the first year I was, I think I went in at 157 and then finished at 170. Just the first year. So we're really getting into the weight room and trying to do a lot of things. And I haven't done that before. I mean, even in the military academy or in Egypt, we weren't, you know, trying to add muscle or anything like that. Um, So the whole resources and everything, the coaches and the dynamics that we had between the team and uh, the culture there, that was really what helped. You know, helped me to get to the games and to get to World Championships, um, to make a lot of achievements that I've never wouldn't really thought possible, honestly. Um, Just given that, you know, that was the one day that my coach came and he said, "Hey, Indiana is looking at you, and they're interested in recruiting you." And I, I mean, if you had told me that there would be four. World championships That I would get to And two Olympic games That I would get to Because of that one decision Of going to Indiana University I would not believe <laughs> yeah. It would it would be It would be really um, Because obviously Along the way There was a lot of um, You know Injuries and, and setbacks And failures And frustration With the team Frustration with the coaches um, But that's kind of the part, you know, part of of the journey is um, going through that and then learning how to overcome all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So within, I think, all three years from my freshman all the way to my junior year, I was able to get faster Mm -hmm. um, every single year. And then my fourth year was when I hit a big setback. And that was really what kind of got me on you know, kind of a stagnant place with injuries and um, just situations that were out of my control, and that was that was a good place to actually be because I, in my mind, I always felt okay. So my first three years have been going really well, yeah. so this is gonna keep going really well. Right. Um, but as an athlete, and you may know, like this is it's not how it always does. I mean, even when I qualified to the Olympics in 2016. Um, It was in between two big competitions that we had. So we had the Big Ten competition, um, championships, and then the NCAAs. And in between those, uh, my coach and I decided to go and try to give it a shot and qualify for the Olympics. And it's tough because... I have done like a full taper. Um, We've kind of just got ready for that first competition and we have to keep it going to the second one. The second one is gonna be to make the Olympics and the third one is even more important for for the college. So he's worried about me performing really well at all those those competitions. I'm also worried about that and qualifying to the Olympics. Um, So I went by myself to Orlando in in that, I think it was early March in 2016 and gave it a shot, and I was able to qualify by two 100s of a second, and I just couldn't believe it. (laughs) I was there, and obviously I had no team, I had no family, I just called my mom afterwards, I FaceTimed them, and I was like, hey, time to get your tickets, (laughs) time to get your tickets to the Olympics, and they were obviously watching online, Um, and it was a surreal moment, we we never never really, you know, kind of bittersweet, kind of in the midst of all this chaos, there's a lot of order that ends up happening at the end sometimes. It's it's the one percent, you know, like every in a lot of competitions, a lot of races, there's usually a lot of failing that happens and then there's one or two that tends to be, you know, this is this is what send you what what sends me to the moon, um, yeah. pretty much. So um yeah, but Indiana has played a big role. And not just Indiana, just a lot of I think I believe that there's a lot of, you know, things that God puts in each other's, each person's life to help them throughout the way. So whether than when I was in Egypt, all the way to now, um, being here in Oklahoma and even being here, I wouldn't, if someone told me, Hey, you're going to end up in Oklahoma one day. I was like, no way, no way. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just really glad that I'm here because I don't intend on leaving anytime soon. So, um, it's been, it's been really nice.
0: Yeah, like, same thing. I never would have, like, (laughs) the the first time I wrote Oklahoma down, I spelled it wrong. I wrote, like, I wrote O-A-K, not, like, O K. (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I was like, you're such an idiot. Uh, So, was this junior year, then, or senior year, that you went to the Olympics for the first time?
1: For the first time, that was junior year. Okay. Yeah, um, in 2016.
0: What is the, is the qualification process just time-related. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. That makes sense. It's,
1: it's different than the way the U.S. and a lot of major countries do it because in Egypt, we don't have that many people making it right. in that specific race. So the reason countries have time trials and or not time trials, but Olympic trials kind of competitions is because they have way too many people making that standard that is set by the... Uh, you know, World Aquatics sure. organization, um, and in Egypt we don't have that many people making it. So all I have to do is hit that standard that the Americans are, set it, are aiming at. So it's still the same standard that they have to meet. Yeah. I just don't need to go to Olympic trials in Egypt. I just can go wherever um, to another yeah, to a competition here yeah. in the States. And that's the nice part about it because I don't have to travel all the way across the globe gotcha. and that can mess with my training, can mess with my recovery and all that. So I can just go to the competition that's approved by that organization and mm-hmm. aim at it. And hopefully that will um, yeah. get you there.
0: How many opportunities do you have to qualify for then throughout the year when, when they have having those mm-hmm. like official events
1: right so like as an example paris 2024 is coming up mm-hmm. and the qualify the qualification times start in march of this year and the end in june of next year okay. so each uh each competition is usually about a year and a half of giving you a shot at you know training and then going to different competitions and then um try to make it yeah. at one of those competitions
0: are you actively training for the new one? Mm-hmm. okay so you're in the basically in the middle of training yeah, to... yeah in
1: the middle of it yeah. so okay. um, and I, I mean there's no rush really I tried to qualify to the Olympics in 2019 mm-hmm. in May 2019 so that's about a year before the Olympics was supposed to happen obviously COVID kind of changed that okay. Um and I was off by three one sure. hundreds. Uh, it's so close. <laughs> yeah, so I was. I went twenty two seconds 05, 100s of a second. I was supposed to do twenty two zero yeah. two. Um, and I ended up going that time. I went. I went twenty one ninety eight. Um, in South Korea at the mm-hmm. end of that year, and that was what helped me qualify. Okay. Which was great mm-hmm. because, as you know, the year that came after it was a bunch of uncertainty and a bunch yeah. of COVID. Um which was really unpleasant for a lot of swimmers and a lot of athletes around the world who didn't know, you know, if they'd made it or they didn't make it to the Olympic Games. Um, and they had to wait and see how yeah. things were going to go. So
0: so obviously you have this moment, you know, you qualify, mm-hmm. right? And then it hits you. You're like, I'm going to Rio. Mm-hmm. Like you, you probably, it takes you a while to get the adrenaline down. And then right. you actually sit at home a few days later and you're like, mm-hmm. you know what, like I'm going. I, right how do we plan all this stuff, right? Like, how do I, you know, and then you probably have phone calls with everyone back home of, like, the, the you know, the associations and the federations right. and, like, hey, we're going to book the tickets and plan everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, what's that process like of just then it gets real, right? Then, you're like, I'm going, now we have to prepare for right. the Olympic Games mm-hmm. and all of that stuff. And then Rio was the one where they were all worried about that virus too, right? The virus. Was stuff. people pulling out because there are certain, because Rio was the one that golf was at for the first okay. time in a long time, I believe. Okay. And some of the big golfers were like, no, we're not going. Cause I think it was Zika maybe. Oh yeah. That sounds familiar. It's a big deal. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause you guys are all kind of in like, in the village stuff, yeah. Right? The village.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
0: tell me about going, I mean, what's that whole process of like getting ready to go. And I mean, all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. So from making it all the way, so I made it in March and the competition was maybe like July or August, okay. um, August actually. So um, just this period. And that was actually my second world um, world level kind of competition with Egypt and the first one didn't end up going very well so the first one was in 2015 in world championships in Kazan and that was a good wake up call at what world stage competitions are like because I'm walking out to one of my events and I'm looking up at the stands with 10,000 people in the stands I'm used to 50 people (laughs) at college or high school or something it's not that many people so um I went back and just after twenty fifteen, kind of try to visualize. Okay, do I just not look at the stands, or do I just learn to adapt to it? So in twenty sixteen, when I went to the Olympics, that was the second time for me to compete on an international level, and that was also the the same, the, the second time I look at the big stands, and that was double the size of um, of Kazan in twenty fifteen. Um, so. I was just doing a lot of visualizations through that time, um, working really hard, uh, training really hard. And um, a lot of the Olympians that also ended up going there from Indiana. um, It was just really nice to see a lot of my teammates make it and on the US team. Yeah. So there was actually a total of 11 Olympians from Indiana that ended up going between swimming and diving. Um, And that was just... A, a really great moment because i've That's I've shared for. the podium with them yeah. a few months earlier at national competitions and big Ten competitions and then to see them again at the Olympics and also see that the head coach of Indiana there um, it's just proved that not only did I make the right decision but this is a, a this is a team that wants to continue and wants to be successful um, so I, I actually I mean looking back at it one of the mistakes that I did when I was, preparing to go to uh, to rio in 2016 was i thought that the best way to um to do well at the olympics was to lock myself in and not talk to anyone just train sleep eat and that's it um and that ended up not being the best way to go about it so because i felt like okay well if i invest more time and energy in the swimming then i'm obviously going to be much better um and then just made, it made me really depressed throughout that time. It made me really re-question what I'm doing. And, um, you know, as relational beings and wanting, you know, connection with other people, that was, uh, a good, uh, lesson that I had to learn. Um, and that just kind of comes along with, you know, going to the Olympics and, uh, seeing all the big guys and all the famous people there and Usain Bolt and Michael Phelps and, and just different people that you're taken away by usually on a day to day basis. So, mm-hmm. It was, a, it was a good lesson to know that, hey, you know, swimming is important, but don't make it your main thing. Don't don't make it 100% of your life. Um, and I was able to sit back after that and talk to my my sports psychologist about it and tell him that, hey, you know, this is what happened. And I wish I'd done better. I wish I'd, you know, kind of not just got away from everyone and tried to just focus on it. I wish I'd, um, you know, kind of helped and... Um, kind of became a part of my community as as I am here in Oklahoma now so yeah
0: yeah like I the other Olympian that I've had on the podcast ran for the mm-hmm. UK at Rio Oh wow. um, okay. and he he said this, he came out with a great quote and I'm probably gonna have to like edit this out but mm-hmm. I asked him the same thing I said you know what is it like being around you know Phelps and all of you know Usain yeah. and all of these like mega stars of, mm-hmm. of, of world sport right mm-hmm. and he said he said his dad has a he's from Scotland his uh-huh. dad has a great quote and the quote is everybody shits <laughs> and I was like yeah I, I mean yeah like,
1: everybody starts in the same
0: place every, yeah. everyone exact. everyone's mm-hmm. you know like yes Phelps got a million medals or whatever <laughs> and he's you know or he was a long distance runner and you know you're running against all of these people it's like but everyone's the same, yeah. right? Everyone mm-hmm. breathes the same air, bleeds the same blood, like mm-hmm. you know. So he's like, that helped me
1: so much. Yeah, it, and then that's something that maybe a lot of athletes think about is they feel like there has to be like a magic pill. Um, a lot of. when I go back to competitions in Egypt, a lot of swimmers come up to me and they're like, okay, what's the formula? And they're really curious. They want to know what the formula is. And I'm like, no, you just need to be patient. You need to put a lot of hard work in. That's it. That's the formula. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They want to just you know get to the world stage after spending two years in the water which doesn't really happen and a lot of people don't want to put the hard work in so there's two parts that just kind of have to balance each other out because Mm -hmm. there's going to be a lot of failures and then through that you're going to be very patient and then you're going to make it and then fail again and make it and then fail um but it's everyone's kind of you know handed, and I mean, you, you see a lot of the runners that come from Africa and come from you know not very you know not as luxury as um, the United States and other countries around the world, and they do really well. So mm-hmm. it's not really about where you're from, it's how you put in the work and yeah. how, um, how you're patient about it. Yeah. And
0: so. generally, the pool is the same everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like it's it's the same length, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, other than the water might be a little warmer or colder, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be the same pool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so what was different then? Actually, before we get to that, mm-hmm. what's it like walking out with your team, like walking out with the entire country of Egypt for, yeah. during the ceremony? Mm-hmm. I mean, did you video the whole thing? Are you have a GoPro strapped to your chest, like, or you just mm-hmm. taking it? Like, what was that like? It
1: was it was it was overwhelming and in yeah. a good way because I was uh, using my phone. And I was Instagram live Live the whole thing And as soon as I'm walking out Obviously there was tens of of people In the stadium And it's a big stadium um, Instagram shuts down my life <laughs> Which I felt, wow, okay, like you guys know based on my location, all right, that that's perfect. Like, um, but right before then, my teammate was, he was telling me that the um, the cameras are either on the right or left um, from when teams walk in, and we should stick to one side, that way we're closest to the camera so our families and friends can see us. And I was like, perfect idea. So I'm on the right side, and I'm walking in in the opening ceremony um, with Team Egypt and, you know. I think we had 130 people from just the the whole team there and I noticed the camera kind of coming up and I'm like, okay, this is my 10 seconds of fame right there. (laughs) So out of nowhere, I was just kind of waved at the camera and I got really close Um, and obviously didn't know how I was looking or anything like that. But after I get back to my room, I get all these different snapshots and different videos from all my friends. They're like, wow, you made it. I was on the TV. I was like, whoa. Could not have believed it ever to make it on TV in Brazil and then to have a Coca Cola advertisement to end up having me on it as part of it. I was overwhelmed. I <laughs> had no idea what was going on, and that was all like right before my competition because I got there on the beginning of August and I was racing August eleventh, so I had ten days to deal with all that, um, and I didn't know what to do. So I was, I was, it was, it was a good. It was a good time for sure. Yeah. Um, Especially there was no COVID or anything like that, so there was fans and Mm. people were cheering, and um, it was it was a bunch of really cool stuff. Yeah. Um, And just being there with all the other all other nations, that Mm. was also really cool. Um, And yeah, it was it was a great time. And so awesome. It's it's different though because in Tokyo things were a little. you know kind of we didn't have any spectators we went in into to an open ceremony where there was no one in the stands uh so it was such a, a stark difference um in the way things were happening and the way the world has kind of changed um i ended up not getting on tv that time right. <laughs> so um it's just a lot of things changed uh yeah uh, that's the, so that i mean
0: i'm glad that you got to go to one with full right Crowds yelling, mm-hmm. Brazil is chaos, oh, you yeah. know, Rio is just party everywhere mm-hmm. and experience that. Because if you'd have gone to Tokyo for the first time and you'd be like, oh, <laughs> really? And and I feel bad for the athletes who've right. only gone to Tokyo. Mm-hmm. But it because you'd been to Rio, it probably helped you when you went to Tokyo and you're like I know what i'm doing here yeah
1: right yes exactly so that was that was exactly my thought process going into tokyo okay this is like the second olympics round and i you know i've learned from the first one i have four world championships under my belt now and i can take that to prove you know that i can get faster and whatnot um but it was rough because right before uh the tokyo olympics i had to move to oklahoma So three weeks before that, I was training in Alabama for about a year and a half. And we had to part ways, me, my coach, and then my teammate because before COVID we had five pros in Alabama and then went down to two. So it became really inconvenient. Um, And right before the Olympics, three weeks before, um, I came and swam with my high school coach here in Oklahoma just to kind of keep that confidence level up before I go to the Olympic Games. Okay.
0: So he came here
1: then from the military academy. So that's how I ended up here, yeah. Wow. (laughs) So that's how I ended up here is like kind of a full circle. After 10 years of him coaching me, I ended up coming back and he was coaching me into the Olympic Games. Um, And that was... uh, it was a great experience and I, I knew that all i needed was someone to just be there and to do their comp, to do their training because i it was less than an ideal situation to you know pick up your life drive 11 hours three times to to oklahoma to try to see if this is the place to end up in and then go to the olympic games 3 weeks after and and just swim fast it, And it's such a You know Once every four years Kind of competition So There can't be any mistakes There can't be any um, You know Setbacks Or obstacles In the way And that was definitely One of those things That kind of Shook my ground a little bit, and then once once I was done with Tokyo, it was it was a good reflection point because I was I was almost done wanting to be you know I'm I'm done with swimming I don't want to keep doing it um, just because of every single almost every single time i've gone to a really good competition and had like world championships or the olympics something would kind of shake the ground that i'm on um most of the time it was out of my control um but i knew that i did the best i can with what i was given so that was also what gave me comfort through it all is that I, i i did kind of struggle and it wasn't an ideal situation but i'm still grateful for the coaches and i'm still grateful for the people that were you know crucial that helped me get there in the first place so without them i wouldn't be able to be able to um, to yeah. make it so yeah. um it was it was a it was an interesting balance that i had to deal with um and you know it's just kind of that's just how life is and how swimming yeah, is it's, it's not ideal all the time um so
0: yeah so you were your coach it was what why did you go to your high school coach and not your university coach? I
1: I felt like when I was done at, and I left Indiana, okay. um, I felt like I needed somewhere somewhere new. So you went south
0: because um, the sun was shining. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I went to Alabama for a couple of years, and then yeah. I I felt like I don't I don't want to go back. I want to go somewhere where I know someone and my family's all back in Egypt. So I want to go somewhere where someone is very close to me and we've known each other for a long time Um, because that that just kind of, you know, there's a lot of, like, if I go to a new place, um, I'm going to have a lot of pressure from people. There's a lot of things that I have to deal with that would be kind of making that process even more hard. Mm -hmm. Um, So coming to Oklahoma, coming back to my high school coach and just Mm -hmm. staying here for a little bit, which, which... Throughout the two to three weeks, I made so many great friends and great community and friendly people that I just never thought um, would be able to, you know, carry me through that time. They, my, my friends, they were able to throw an Olympic party for me and before I went. And those were people that I met for only a week and a half or two weeks. And just seeing how nice people were and how they were just very welcoming, and it turned out that... I just have never seen that before, like living in Indiana or other places. Oklahoma has a very different kind of um, level of hospitality and people that are truly nice. They're not just nice in one or two days, they're nice throughout the whole year, which just takes a lot of effort. So um, that was why I ended up coming here. And, you know, I just... It feels the right thing to do, and I left after I went back to the Olympics to go back to Egypt, and my sister got engaged, and I spent some time with her and my family, and then decided to come back again, because I, j- I just had a lasting memory. I felt like this is the place where God is gonna keep me here for a while, and regardless of what's happening, it's not the best place for swimming. There's only one college, of, you know, swimming here, um, but I can do the best I can with it. So, um, and just last year I was able to get my green card too. So that's helped me um, work finally and do other stuff that not necessarily have to be completely focused on swimming.
0: Was that through like A1 athlete visa?
1: H1B. Yeah, A1, HB. Yeah, I haven't haven't researched them in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Yeah, like, so were you after you graduate university in that time where you were in Alabama, were you working or were you just solely like, Hey, I'm swimming.
1: Yeah. I was on OPT, the optional training for a while. So I was working with Alabama as a data analyst. um, And I really enjoyed that. So I was working, obviously Alabama is a huge American football um, college. And we were working with the football players trying to maximize their uh, progress in the weight room. And they have like a whoop kind of thing where you can track their, um, you know, their, calories and if they're getting burned out or anything like that so you tell your trainers that hey this guy needs some rest um, so that was really interesting just looking at it. Did an analysis from a sports standpoint Yeah. and I learned a lot through that time so I was using that obviously I had to come back on an F1 OPT yeah. uh-huh. in order to swim um, so I did that for a while and then went back to do another visa the professional athlete visa um, and that's when I got stuck in Egypt because the embassy was closed yeah. so I couldn't transfer or get the new visa so when I did get it I was able to come back and then apply for my green card gotcha um and obviously i mean for a lot of americans that maybe don't understand the immigration process that people have to go through people can wait there's a lot of different categories and sometimes it takes 17 years for people to get their green card here in the united states um and luckily my category is very minute it's very small Mm -hmm. it's mostly for athletes and celebrities and people that musicians you know so there's not that many people that are always applying into it Mm -hmm. so it gets a little faster um lower quota so yeah um yeah
0: you're not competing with thousands and thousands of people from all over the country all over the world that want to get to live in this country, mm-hmm. I did OPT as well, so I know uh-huh. I know what you're talking about with right. that. It's the greatest thing for college students to come out. But yeah. tell, tell me about being at the University of Alabama, at mm-hmm. their fo- football program, and around Coach Saban, and seeing all that stuff.
1: I it mean, was really as an athlete cool. yourself. You, that must have just been like, just mm-hmm.
0: let me nerd out here because this is so cool. Nick right?
1: Saban, he was he was like the president of the state of Alabama. Like <laughs> you wake up and you go get. Bacon and, you know, obviously barbecue. That's what they have for breakfast. So we (laughs) 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 We go up there and it's like Roll Tide. Roll Tide is like their good morning, hi, hello, bye, good night, everything. It's all Roll Tide. And... That was my first ever exposure to American football because Indiana wasn't too good. And, um, I mean, we have really solid Big Ten schools like Ohio State and Michigan, so they never really gave us a chance. Uh, Alabama was very, very good. Um, So I got to go to one of the games and... um, it was just a great experience, uh, just learning about that. And then every time I would go to, obviously, because my my work was in the same building where Nick Saban's office is. So every time I would just kind of walk by his office and see all the rings that they have. And they have like a mini museum of all the Heisman Trophy winners and um, just Crazy stuff that they're always working on, and the way they're, they feed their athletes too. And I had to be part. I took part of that just being on the swim team. Sometimes they would have um, lobster tails for dinner, and <laughs> you just I, just thinking back at what I had in college was uh, maybe some western omelet, and that was about it. <laughs> so <laughs> just getting getting the the high level because in order to compete at a high level, you have to eat really well and good quality stuff, which I was like, okay, like. Alabama, this is the place to be. And then COVID hit. And uh, we had to go swim at a yacht club for a while because we had no idea if the Olympics were postponed or not. And eventually went back to Egypt because there was just no end in sight with what's going on with COVID. No one knew what was happening. Um, And I preferred after 10 years of being away from my family that this is probably the best time and I'll never get this time again to spend with them. Um, So I spent nine months with them. Um, which way more than I would have ever expected, um, throughout the whole time.
0: Yeah. The longest you've spent with them since you've been away from the country when you, mm-hmm. were, you know, going to high school.
1: Right. right? Like I spent summers a, you know, with them eight or something, right. Mm-hmm. That's a long,
0: you know, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, fortunate to go home twice a year to go home for summer and Christmas probably, but yeah. still like, it's, it's not the same when you get to spend nine months in a country no. you know, that you've missed and, mm-hmm. and grown up in and, you know. I mean, I love food. Like, I'm sure like Egyptian food is so much better oh, so than good. Egyptian food here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, and even yeah. in, definitely in Alabama, I'm sure there was some places you're like, I'm eating this today, really. Uh, but yeah. that's so cool to have that experience, though, right? To yeah. learn and to learn about dieting and performance. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because yes, you're a data analyst and you're technically working, but you're also a professional athlete. Sure. So it's just like, you know, you're getting paid to learn from the best athletes exactly. in the country mm-hmm. at that point, right? Yeah. It was
1: and, it know. was great. And the weight room that they had, the way they structure their lifting and the football team and just the way they approach everything. There was a smoothie bar in, in the weight room. So after you're done, you just go get a smoothie and head out. So They were just on top of everything, which made sense. Because I was like, okay, so in order to make it to the top level, this is what what it takes. And it's not just training. It's everything around everything, everything that you're doing. Um, So Alabama was a really wonderful experience. um, And then ended up coming here after that and don't really want to lead yeah. honestly <laughs> yeah
0: I mean I I know, I know how you feel yeah uh, it's cause that's you know I did the same thing I was like I I figured out that this you know these are the, the, the great people mm-hmm. you know pretty much exactly what you said like everyone's so nice Yeah, you know and it's it's genuine it's not I'm being nice to you because right. I want something from you mm-hmm. it's I'm, being nice to you because that's mm-hmm. just who I am and who my parents are and what we do here. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm not surprised at that. But yeah. t- tell me about then going to Tokyo then and how that experience was obviously a little different because of COVID right. and and just how you know you know this is your second time, right? So you're like you know other than flying to Tokyo, which is a long way away. Right. Uh, how is how <laughs> you know? And I know Rio is a long way away too, but like <laughs> you know, Tokyo is. I've been to Japan once, okay. and. Even the vending machines were like, I mean, blew me away. Yeah. Right? Like, there's, an, there's no English anywhere. There's just signs of, you know, like, Japanese writing, mm-hmm. which is very hard to navigate if you don't speak Japanese. Yeah. So, how, how was that experience?
1: The, the Starting with the village, like the Olympic village, that's usually yeah. what the taste that you get about sure. the country. and. I, I think Tokyo was was on path to be the best Olympic Games and out of a lot of them, um, but COVID really ended a lot of those, you know, aspirations for them. They had everything set in place, um, and they did the best they can. They can obviously with you know the um, the pandemic and being in the midst of that, and actually making it happen at a loss, not really at a profit for all the sponsors and stuff like that. Um, but it was it was it was a fun experience nonetheless, and. Uh, being there was a competition wise it was it was it still felt the same like I, as we were training and getting ready for the the swimming and for the races and everything it still felt you know like a like a, another high class competition that you know some sometimes just feeling like there's not many people in the spectators and there are many people in the stands that this is not the same but it was and it's just obviously it was different being that there's no one cheering except for your friends and, and their coaches and the staff. Yeah. Um, but knowing that there's you know, family and friends back home that were, you know, staying up and making sure that they watched the race and um, just doing it for them. Because obviously, like when I got there, I was very burned out, just picking up places and moving. I've done that three times in my life, and they're always by myself. Mm-hmm. and. I, I can only imagine, you know, a lot of people move across countries and they move a lot across the states, but they do, they do it often with families and with friends and for a job or something. But just to pick up and pack all my stuff in my car and then come here tonight to, to Oklahoma to figure things out and then drive back again, that's another 11 hours, and pick up my stuff, put it in the car, and then come back and settle in for a little bit, that really burned me out. And I felt... That I was just gonna have to get there, stand on the blocks, and give it the best I got. Mm-hmm. But I was really relieved after I was done because I, I was I was thinking at the time that okay, I'm I'm gonna take this time to just relax. Yeah, <laughs> I, a lot has happened, and unfortunately, it wasn't the best. But I I just have to sit back and relax for a little bit.
0: Well, and the first uh, time you could like actually, in, in probably in your entire swim career, actually mm-hmm. just say, you know what, I'm gonna take a two months or three months, or I'm gonna take as much time off as I want because like. Yeah. I'm, you know like like you said you said earlier you know if you'd have told me that I'm going to swim you know in all these world championships and I'm going to go to university and I'm going to swim into, you know you'd have mm-hmm. said yeah mm-hmm. which finger do you want to take from <laughs> me <might> Like take it <laughs> yeah. you know because this is going to be awesome right but like you said when you get to that at Tokyo and you're like you know what I think I'm just going to take some time off and mm-hmm. mentally get to where you want to be and then fall in love with the sport all back again. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what happens with me and golf when the winter. when yeah. in the winter, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm not going to play golf this winter. And then <laughs> come springtime, I'm like chomping at it. I'm like, okay, I got to get on the golf course.
1: The passion comes back, yeah. you know, and, and if it doesn't come back, then you know that this is not it anymore. Right. This is, and a lot of athletes don't do that. They, and, and it's understandable because the coaches that they're with, they want the best out of them. And, they, I personally always want to do the best, but it, we're human, and our mental health and all of that comes at a big expense, and especially when you have so many different arms in your life. So I have the Egyptian Federation, I have my coaches, I have my family, I have my friends, they all want the best for me, but I'm just... If I continue to do things and continue to do the sport because it's for them, not for me, then that's going to negatively impact me. Right. So that was a good lesson after Tokyo to sit back um, and just have a lot of conversations with my family and friends. And And most of the conversations were really tough because it was on the edge of wanting to, dip, to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to disappear for, for about a year from swimming. Um, after that year, I was able to come back even stronger. Um I'm currently swimming here in Oklahoma with the college team. And that's been one of the best things that happened to me in the past year because I just was able to make it again to another world championships after being gone for about a year and everyone thinking that it was done. I'm, I'm done with everything. Um, but you know I know that swimming won't be around for the rest of my life. And just being here in Oklahoma and then getting the opportunity to work and to invest and to be part of the community um, it's, it's a much more balanced life that I would like to be a part on, part in. Um, and swimming is, you know, it's an important part of my life, but that doesn't mean that I, yeah. I will just zone in like I did pre-2016 right. and um, ends up negatively impacting again. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, swimming then becomes a vehicle to meeting and opening up doors rather mm-hmm. than like my entire job, right? Yeah. Like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: because like you said if it does just become solely obsessive focused then mm-hmm. you know things are going to suffer in other areas right, right. spiritually friendships mm-hmm. you know whatever it is mm-hmm. um, and like I you said you're, you're at the college where is it Oklahoma City Oklahoma, Oklahoma Christian, Christian.
1: Okay. yeah so I, I swim with them I've swam with them since last April okay. um, and I was able to get back into it and swim fast again and um, I think the, the sense of having a team with me and making you know friends and teammates that you know were in the grind every day I missed that because a lot of times during COVID and then after I was just swimming by myself so every time I swim by myself now it's really tough because I remember that time where it was just me in the water and it's really boring it's quiet <laughs> it's, it's very quiet right. and it's just a line on the bottom of the pool that you have to stare at and that's it you know there's yeah. no music there's nothing entertaining you yeah. it takes a lot of discipline for a swimmer to keep going if they're just swimming by, them, by themselves um, so that to have yeah. them and to have that team has been a huge blessing um, and the coaches that they're you know they're world class coaches so
0: yeah. and you got a younger bunch of younger guys like trying to beat you right exactly you know, yeah. Like that's <laughs> keeping you going too because mm-hmm. you're like yeah. hey you know I got a few years on you guys, maybe more, and you know these guys are like, hey, I got to race this guy. He's been in the Olympics or whatever. You know, they yeah. might be you in practice every now and then. And you're just like, you know, talking trash or whatever. Yeah, but I remember cool to have
1: that. I remember the first day I got to Oklahoma Christian, and one of the uh, one of the swimmers were just kind of doing a set next to each other. I haven't really introduced. It was like one of the first times, so I haven't really introduced myself to him yet. And afterwards. He, I, I noticed he was kind of like you know agitated, and I was like, "Hey, my name's Ellie, Like, I'm I'm just swimming with you guys." He was like, "Okay, so what year are you?" And I was like, "Um, no, I'm a I'm a pro. I'm not, I'm not here to take your spot. Don't worry." <laughs> he was like, "All right, perfect. Now it's working out." Yes, yeah, like, Okay. <laughs> <It's>, not. <laughs> right, <anyway. laughs> oh, that's brilliant.
0: <laughs> do you do you um? So with with the fifty freestyle, mm-hmm. you know, it's a sprint, right? so what is your training you don't have to go into everything but what is just the typical day training for a 50 freestyle like
1: yeah uh, so going back to the way i was training in indiana it's kind of the same idea of doing weights and lifting four times a week so a lot of sprinters need a lot of muscle mass and a lot of fast switch muscles so i do that four times a week and then i get into the pool every uh, every day uh, just once a day um, with the team and it depends because I can't I the way spinners train is very different than the way distance people train so our coach he kind of adjusts based on that so if I'm a spinner I'm doing a lot of power I'm doing a lot of short distances um, a lot of speed work uh, distance people are more like going for miles and miles and miles which thankfully I'm not I'm not doing that <laughs> um, a lot of a lot of distance people sometimes get very jealous because a lot of sprinters get out of practice early um, and I I feel bad for them, but that's just, the, that's the life they chose, so. They chose that <laughs> life, right? Like,
0: hey, no one's telling you to do this, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, or even if they are, they you know, you, you just happen to be good. It's like long distance runners. Like, I, I run, I one race a year and I train for that one race and then I'm done for the mm-hmm. rest of the year and I'll just kind of pick <laughs> it up in the new year. Yeah. But, you know, some of the times I'm out there running, I'm like, why
1: are you doing this, <laughs> you
0: know? and like. Uh, but it's interesting, like today, you know, I had a long run today mm-hmm. and, you know, I'm kind of, I got a few miles to go and the way that I do my long runs is I generally go out and back to my house, but I don't go out like halfway and back. I go out a little bit and then come back, have a drink. Like I leave my like, snacks oh, and stuff it. at the house, okay. right? all my fuel at the house. So it's like, I break it up into usually like thirds. Mm-hmm. So, but that's also annoying because you get back to the house and you're like, because mm-hmm. I go again? I, I
1: could, go, just, stay yeah, I could yeah. just stay here. Yeah, I could just stay here and
0: then, you know, and and Mm. Running and swimming is you know, in any sport is so mm. mental that you're like, Yeah, I could just stay here. No one's gonna know. Right. It's just me. No mm-hmm. one's you know, no one's gonna know about how many miles I didn't run today. Right. But then mm-hmm. there's that internal like, yeah, I can do this, and then you just start to walk, right, or you start yeah. to swim, and you're like, yeah. okay, now, and that's the thankfully in the distance thing. You don't have to worry about that because right. it's so mm-hmm. fast. Yeah. It's probably more for you in the in the training and practice that that happens mm-hmm. mentally, pushing yourself further and lifting more and going that way rather than in the pool because when you're in the pool it's like mm-hmm. what is it 25 something seconds and you're done right
1: yeah um with with my race it's usually about 21 seconds yeah um and it, it's very tight it's a 21 like the difference between the third and the fourth is 21.95 and 2192 so it's not noticeable you can't see it with your you know yeah. eyes just have the touch pads that tells um, automatically what what the goal is or what the time is um but it's it's just the accountability part of it and swimming and, like, running and walking and all that. It's much better to have it, you know, have someone with you doing it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people rely on themselves, and that's really good. Um, but it's just more fun, honestly. <laughs> more fun would be with other people and yeah. you know, training with them so
0: what um, so, so obviously preparing for Paris mm-hmm. uh, when when are the um, qualifiers coming up like when I mean is that soon or is that like you know hey I got a few weeks or a month and then
1: so that's actually the Paris is starting in March oh, wow. so yeah next month <laughs> so soon very yeah. soon so I got March 1st till June 31st to qualify to qualify okay. June 31st 2024 okay uh, yeah so it's about a year and a half mm-hmm. and Um, I don't have to necessarily qualify, you know, as soon as March happens, but I always try to aim for sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, And um, I've got some competitions coming up, maybe um, heading back to Egypt in March Mm -hmm. uh, to do a competition there and then another competition in Chicago in April. So, um, you know, just just kind of getting back after a chunk of training because that's like how I prefer to do it is to put a lot of training in and then go to a big meet and then come back and train more um so yeah it's i'm excited uh, i mean to try to qualify to the third olympics is is hard and just looking through my thought processes through qualifying for um, rio and then qualifying for tokyo i always wanted to be realistic and knowing that this is going to take a lot of work so if i'm not willing to put in the work don't bother. So I, that's just how I approach things in, in life and in swimming. Mm-hmm. If, if, um, if I'm going to try to make the Olympic games, I have to put 110% in. Otherwise it's not really worth it. Um, yeah. and just step away. So it's You're just totally right. Cause yeah. it's not
0: easy work to be doing. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm wasting my time, like just, you know, like putting in all this effort and, you know, right. tearing my, you know, like all of this stuff, right. Like, you know, lifting weights and swimming and, you know, all of that, like, yeah, what's the point in doing it if yeah. you're not going to go, you know, commit to it fully, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, you mentioned kind of being here around the team. In the future, do you see yourself going into coaching?
1: Possibly. Yeah. Um, thankfully, I have a lot of expertise in swimming and then also just in other aspects of life. Um, real estate and the things that I'm doing right now, just doing marketing and enjoying that really. And um, I think swimming is is a really special of my life so to be able to give back in some capacity i definitely see myself um in that area in the future um i don't know what exactly um i i like to take opportunities and see how they turn out and if they turn out well then that's where i'm supposed to be and if they don't then i'm learning from them um which i really enjoy teaching and i really enjoy coaching so um just to see that you know how that bounces with other people and i've done clinics and different stuff like that um and lessons and all that and just seeing other people's lives improving has been very rewarding for me so i i can definitely i mean if you had asked me that question a couple years ago i would have said no and it was probably because of the people that i was around it was giving me not the correct notion about what coaching is but after seeing a really good role models and my coaches here at OC and seeing how they approach it and that it can be really fun and it can be a great, you know, relational thing between you and your um, uh, swimmers and people who are coaching, um, definitely see it. I yeah, can definitely yeah. see it. Mm-hmm.
0: And, I mean, it's like giving back is obviously, you know, really cool, but giving back in something that's given you so much and you're like, this is a sport that not only you know even if you don't become successful as a swimmer and talking generally whoever it is that just likes to get their kid in the pool like there's so many lessons from competing right and training and preparing and you know yes you you came last today because you haven't prepared you Mm -hmm. know like there's lessons in losing Mm -hmm. i say this for almost every podcast that i talk to an athlete with like the lessons that we have from playing a sport that's you know there is a there is a winner and a loser mm-hmm. right there is a score at the end of it or a time at the end of it and that time is kept by everybody and yeah. everyone goes by you know mm-hmm. then you know and and swimming too it's like everyone's got to learn how to swim for the most part, right? <laughs> even yeah. if you're fast or not,
1: right? Yeah. For so the like, summer or for whatever. Yeah. So if you want to go to the beach or if you don't want to yeah. just do with that, then it's fine. And yeah.
0: I've never met a fat swimmer. So like, <laughs> it's
1: kind of like soccer. Like, it keeps you. It's such a good track. workout. Mm-hmm. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, all right. Finishing up. I mentioned earlier, I love food. What mm-hmm. I'm interested at to, uh, to find out what when you first came here, yeah. um, what was the things that stood out for food, we're like, oh man, I love going to whatever. Was it? Did you have opportunities in the military academy to just go somewhere on the weekends or
1: whatever? Actually, well, in the military academy, we didn't. We were in the middle of nowhere, honestly. So we had the dining hall food, and then maybe down the road, and we couldn't really get out much. Yeah. There'll be like a pizza burger place. Uh, so I wouldn't base my experience off of that time, yeah. but um, I really enjoy going to Chick Fil A. And even though that's not really a good, you know, kind of healthy food, but that's one of my favorite. Um, It's my and a lot of internationals feel the same way. Like even when I was in Indiana, yeah, a lot of our uh, other international friends and swimming, um, my teammates, we would just go to Chick-fil-A on a Saturday after practice or something. Um, Even my sister and my family, when they come here, they're big fans. So um, it's it's crazy how how that is, but I don't know if it's because of the chicken or because of the way I grew up and how I like it, or yeah, um, yeah it's one of my favorites. And it's just when I when I try to go eat somewhere, I try to get some something that's a little more like home. So sure. whether that's like a Syrian cuisine or Lebanese or um, Mediterranean, so something okay. that's a little more similar to home.
0: What's the go tos here then to find something that's similar to home?
1: Have you tried um, Nunu's? Yeah. Nunu's is a Lebanese uh, restaurant yeah. in um, on Memorial in uh, Oklahoma City, and it's it is really really good. So I'm a big big fan of Lebanon. I went there when I was um, when I was 11 or 12 years old, and it was such a great country. A really. Nice um, people yeah. and a lot of history. Um, and then walking into Nuno's, that's just the same vibe I get. It's you like the that nicest smell. People. And you're just yeah. like, yep. I'm home. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> it's, it's crazy because I've been to so many countries around the world. And then when someone asks me, hey, what's your favorite country you've been to? I'm like, Lebanon. Wow. And in their minds they're not expecting they're expecting oh like maybe it's Dubai maybe it's like you know one of those fancy places but right. no it just maybe because it was also I went with my family so okay. that had a really big impact on you know that country for yeah, me yeah yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: is tea big in, in Egypt mm-hmm. so you grew up Huge. like a really big tea but it's yeah. not like the UK does tea right with a tea bag and milk it's
1: like we do both Okay. so there's um like chai latte you know yeah. the tea with milk and that's popular um we have green tea it's coming around really popular black tea, yeah. um constantly having tea so just like the uk and i actually had a british uh, british friend in, in college and she was constantly like fancy cup of tea i was like oh, i'm not really fancying one right now <laughs> so and it's just yeah. they're they're all about tea and I, I'm more of a coffee guy now. So okay. that's that's what I go for. And um, recently I started roasting my own coffee. Mm. Um, so I got some beans and getting that's into that. It's just not very hard, but it's really good. Really good coffee. Yeah.
0: So. That's, that, that's exactly what happened to me. Because I came out here a tea drinker and it probably took me until like my junior year I started drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Maybe junior, senior year. And now like it's coffee go-to, right? Mm-hmm. Like I kind of have a cup of tea usually on the weekend every night you know just on them just once or twice on the weekend and there's a great store um not far from here called spices of india okay. have you been there no it has literally every food from all around the world oh so no. like they've got uk tea bags and a bunch of other cool stuff so okay. i'll text you the address when that'll we get be done. awesome um but mm-hmm. you might you might find some egyptian stuff that you're like that'll wow i cool. can't get this anyway but they have like dairy milk chocolate bars and all that i mean obviously they're more expensive here so you've <laughs> got to get them in here but yeah, yeah it's um there's a place in the UK, a chicken place called Nando's. Okay. And they have a hot sauce, kind of like Chick Fil A sauces, mm. but it, there's a hot. And I, yeah. They
1: have Nando's like different. Piri- oh, in the store. In the store. Oh, wow. they have like the
0: hot sauce. Like that's in the pretty cool, and it's all different. Like ah, uh,
1: just. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I usually pack up a lot when I'm leaving Egypt <laughs> and when my family's coming. So yeah. um, whether that's sweets, obviously baklava and different stuff like that, but it's um, it's usually a full bag yeah. for sure.
0: What, what's the, what do you miss from home? What's the one thing that like, or a couple of things other than
1: food other than that's food?
0: like, you know, I mean, I just, the that, sea. that's sea. Yeah, the sea is
1: my, my go to. Like
0: seeing the sunset over the sea, oh, kind yeah. of like yeah. that it's situation. Scuba
1: diving and it's just, I mean, you can drive for our, our, from Fair Cairo, area. you can get to to the Red Sea in an hour. Um, <laughs> you know, it's and it's really nice during the summer because the the weather is um, hot, but it's dry. It's not like here humid. Um, so we get to go out and do it. i mean, obviously wasn't able to go with my green card situation in the past year, but sure. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to this summer and yeah. scuba diving and just seeing new things. Honestly,
0: you're going back with your girlfriend. Has she been to Egypt? Hopefully, yet?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's the plan. That's, that's her some first point. time to go yeah. To Egypt.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. gonna be so awesome. <laughs> I remember I took first took my wife to Wales for the first time. She's like wow this mm-hmm. is a
1: little different it's i've never actually got to take any of my friends back home yeah. um so i'm excited about that That's it's be it'll awesome. be it'll be really fun great yeah
0: well mate i want to thank you for spending an hour and 15 minutes with us well, i mean we've <laughs> that been was really a little fun. longer thank but um really appreciate you yeah. Uh really appreciate shout out to bailey for putting us together mm-hmm. um Go to Bondi Bowls, wherever you can find it, right? <laughs> They're like, everywhere now, so you'll spot. find them. Uh, Edmund Tennis Center, right, mm-hmm, is the one yeah. that you probably have been yeah. to more. And then obviously they have their location in uh, downtown, is it not in downtown Edmund, it's like by Hideaway in Edmund, basically. Right. right. Um, oh, it's just, the, I. Get, generally get everything <laughs> like, can I get a full bowl everything on it and then give me an empty one so I can kind of spin it mix it and like you know it, it doesn't look Instagrammable when I'm like eating it but, um, shout so out good. to Bailey for mm-hmm. putting this together and um, yeah look forward to watching you look forward to seeing you you know you know training for it and going for it and you know uh, hopefully a lifelong um, time in Oklahoma Thank Right, you. like it's it's yeah. uh, it's a fun place to be I'm not going anywhere uh, and, and hopefully that you know, whenever you decide that swimming is done then, then I'm sure home here wouldn't be a bad idea
1: yeah. but yeah.
0: Uh, for people listening uh, what's your Instagram and how can they find you and I can link it in the description as well yeah. but yeah. shout it out
1: Awesome. Uh, so my Instagram is alikalafala.ak mm-hmm. and that's usually the one that I'm most active on. So um, if people can find me there and, and oh, Facebook, I, I'm at alikalafala. So kay. that's about it.
0: I'll put down in the description for people listening and uh, we will catch you. Oh no, one thing, i got to remember this uh, because we're, we've we set a goal. By the end of the year, you might have heard on previous podcast, mm-hmm. uh, we've set a goal to raise $10,000 for uh, the Children's Heart Foundation. So the link will be in the description for that. We're, I think, around 3,000 right now, but the link is for that, so instead of going, and I use Starbucks as just, like, the metric, instead of going to Starbucks for another coffee, go to this link and donate, because it's for the kids. Um, Thank you so much for catching next episode. Cheers. Hope you guys enjoyed that great episode. Thank you so much for listening. As always, huge shout-out to our sponsors, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, sharing Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, go to www. www. do most of my old changes down there, have a cup of coffee, hang out down in El Reno. It's a good spot to go. And not only are they great friends, but they provide a great service. So for over 60 years, a third generation family owned Oklahoma business down in El Reno. They're also in Bethany as well. So people in the Bethany area know the Diffies really well. But if you're looking for anything new, used um, Ford, Lincoln, or whatever, I'm sure they could find anything you want. Um, check them out at and then on Instagram at Diffie Ford Lincoln. This podcast is brought to you by the Oklahoma Beef Council. On behalf of Oklahoma's 50,000 beef farming and ranching families, we are working hard every day to bring high quality beef to your table. To learn more, visit OKLABeef.org. That's OKLABeef.org, linked below. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.